COVID is going to be behind us a bit more in 23. And because of that, uh, there's going to be a resurgence of people coming into the startup community, trying to build meaningful businesses again. Texas Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Now, there has been a lot of excitement as we are kind of at the phase where uh, towards the end of the pandemic of COVID-19. So everything is kind of fresh now. Everybody really wants to know what's going on here in Thailand and the rest of the region. Today on the Texas Global Podcast, we're going to take a look at the Hong Kong startup ecosystem. Hello, Sadika. You're listening to the Texas Global Podcast. I'm Chawarat Yongjiranon Erpupei, the global content editor of Texas Media. And today, I'm very happy indeed to be able to sit and talk across the sea to James Kwan, the founder, chairman, the executive chairman of Jumpstart, which is a venture development organization that has a variety of different innovation services, whether it is media events, accelerators, youth education programs, and venture capital investing in early stage startups in emerging markets. Hello, James. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear from you too. Um, first off, for those who are listening that may not be familiar with yourself or you know, and also Jumpstart, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Jumpstart? Yeah, sure. So Jumpstart is uh, innovation as a service company based in Hong Kong. We do many different faceted areas in innovation, such as media. So we have an online media. We also have a print media. So pre-COVID, we actually had uh, Asia's largest English print media focusing on startups around the world. Uh, we also are involved with events around the world. So we partner with events in many continents. Uh, Pre-COVID again, we traveled around the world to these events, but I hope things going into 2023 will open up. Um, accelerators, we're doing our fifth cohort right now. Um, we're currently focusing on Metaverse Web3 fashion and lifestyle startups from around mm -hmm. the world. 80% mm -hmm. of the startups are from outside of Hong Kong and 20% are inside. So we actually really have a great global program. We also do youth education innovation. We're the only private company in Hong Kong with a grant from the Hong Kong Education Bureau, working with secondary school students and helping them understand STEM and how to apply STEM in building businesses. And lastly, uh, our, our latest foray, we went into venture capital, where we invest into early stage emerging market startups, mostly in South Asia. Wow. I think that's a mouthful and a lot of things <laughs> I think uh, that you have been successful in doing. And and it's it's funny how you said, again, yeah, that was pre-COVID-19, right? Uh, but of course, uh, you know, congratulations to you <laughs> and so Texas as well. We have been able to kind of ride the wave of COVID-19 and, and we're here at the other side. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people who are listening really wants to know, you know, what the startup scene is like right now, uh, especially in Hong Kong. Can you tell us about the situation there and the ecosystem? Yeah, so I think Hong Kong is it's fairly unique um, where we're positioned, our population. I think uh, the startup ecosystem here has a lot of great uh, founder minds. Um, it's just whether or not we could actually uh, move outside of Hong Kong in a, in a, in a reasonable pace. But we do have a lot of support, which is a good thing in Hong Kong. So we have a lot of governmental support. And I guess in the new 
financial address, they actually are putting even more money into growing the innovation sector here. And we also have two large uh, innovation quasi-governmental um, incubators. One is called mm. Cyberport and the other is called Hong Kong Science Park. So we're surrounded by a lot of support from the government. Um, from that, we get a lot of investor interest as well into the startups. And right now we have 3,500 startups in Hong Kong. And I think that number is growing. And with that, mm. we also have about 20 unicorns. So with the 20 unicorns, we're probably in Asia um, for a small country like Hong Kong, 7.5 million people. Um, we probably have more unicorns per capita uh, than in any <laughs> yes. other Asian neighbor, right? Indeed. Thailand, right. we're just so happy with a couple right now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, for those who are curious, I'm curious, um, how was it during COVID-19 for you? Um, you know, just just for us to really understand you know, how you were able to persevere. Yes. So I could just give a point of reference. So mm -hmm. in 2019, before COVID, I traveled the world for innovation events. I was, I was probably had about 50 plus hotel nights outside of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, since then, I haven't left Hong Kong for three years until I went to the tech sauce event last month, two months ago <laughs> in Bangkok. Yeah. That was the first event I went to because Hong Kong, as you know, um, had pretty strict quarantine requirements. Uh, it was mm -hmm. floating between seven and 21 days. The moment it hit three days quarantine, I was out. I was at Texas. It was worth it. Texas is the best <laughs> event in Southeast Asia and I had to be there, right? So, um, so I'm just using that as a point of reference. Mm -hmm. And with that closure, it really stifled a lot of different businesses in Hong Kong. Um, there's been not, not just talking about startups, but let's talk about SMEs. So many small mom and pop shops shut down during that period of time. It's not sustainable. Mm. Um, we we really had um, pretty quite uh, restrictive uh, rules, uh, such as couldn't go to restaurants for a certain period of time. And if you had to go to a restaurant, it has to close by six. You couldn't sit with more than two people. Um, uh, I think that affected the curiosity of other investors, external investors, to explore Hong Kong. Mm. Yeah. So now, now that things are kind of opening up now, um, are, are and what you've said so far is that like you're, you know, now, uh, what do you think people are are thinking think of when they thinking of when they think of Hong Kong? Do you think that now it's more, uh, easier? Do you think the pace is going to be faster in terms of how things are going? I think so. I mean, I started seeing people around town, and they said, "Wow!" The moment they dropped the quarantine, which they only did a month ago. Uh, people started coming back into Hong Kong. So it's going to start with their visitors. It's going to increase into events. And I and I see a lot of activity with live events these days uh, around Hong Kong. These are not the international events. It's more mm -hmm. the local events. But I'm glad to see that people are going. Um, and I think the big international event we had here, though it's not startup focused, was the, the Rugby Sevens. And uh. that's when we had 30,000 people in the stadium. We had international teams come and play. But that's, that shows things are going to happen again for Hong Kong, which is, which is, I'm, I'm quite optimistic for 2023 and 24. That's definitely good news. Um, same here as well here in Thailand. We are, we're kind of experiencing that as, as well. Um, what about the startup investment landscape in, in Hong Kong? How has it been? Hmm. As, as you know, around the world, there's been a funding winter. I don't mm. think Hong Kong is any exception. Um, mm -hmm. The landscape itself will change. I mean, Hong Kong, um, I think, 
the early stage investments in terms of the investment amounts probably won't change, but probably the valuations of the teams getting the money will change, right? So mm. valuations are going to be a little bit more scrutinized. I think um, early stage still has ways to develop businesses. When you start getting into the B and C rounds, I see that being the toughest part of startup fundraising in Hong Kong. Um, later stage is always still going to be interest uh, pre-IPO, but even that is drying up as well. With mm. the way the equities market is working and IPO mm-hmm. listings not really going well for startups recently, I think that's also a tough area. So early stage, yes, I think it's still going to be vibrant. Um, mid to late stage, it's going to be a bit more challenging, especially for raising money. The thing is, is that, you know, Hong Kong's not alone, you know, going through this. It's it's happening around the world. It's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? But we are resilient, right? We've had the pandemic and now we have the economic issue, issue uh, you know, shadowing over us. Um, but but as you mentioned, there's always, you know, positivity to see that, especially as what you said, you know, there have been so many unicorns uh, that have come out from Hong Kong. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what kind of industries you know, these unicorns have been coming up from? I mean, fintech is always a big business here in Hong Kong. I think uh, uh, Airwallex represents a, a very solid uh, fintech company here. Um, I think logistics works. I think one of the shining stars of the Hong Kong ecosystem is Lala Move and their logistics. And they really pushed it to be a global play. And they're about $10 billion right now, which is, which is great to see that we diversified a bit. But I think... Fintech, health tech, um, I think moving into um, the crypto blockchain world, I think Hong Kong has always been vibrant. I mean, okay. if you think about it, crypto.com, FTX, <laughs> BitMEX. There's some issues there, aren't there? <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is. But people do see Hong Kong as a good space to go into. I think mm. um, intriguing tax uh, rules as well as, uh, as a separate entry point into other places in Asia and the world. So yeah, so it's an interesting sector, but Hong Kong somehow had a lot of these larger companies um, start here or form here. And even even Binance, Binance really mm. worked its way in Hong Kong, but it it, it moved to Singapore. It had <laughs> just a compelling offer by the Singaporean government, I think. Mm. Well, you know, uh, it, it's interesting because, of course, it really depends on the environment in terms of what industry is getting the most attention. Before, during COVID-19, it was the health tech. Um, can you Do you have a sense of, of what's kind of like the next thing, the next um, thing that's attracting people right now? What kind of industry are people looking into right now? Um, I think Web3 is the big thing right now. Web3, mm-hmm. uh, Metaverse. Uh, people are exploring that area, and I and I see that Hong Kong's enjoying a lot of that uh, upside in that space. I think it's also helpful that Animoca is based in Hong Kong, and having Animoca, I think that you get a lot of that ecosystem uh, pushing outwards to the, the the regular Joe Blow startup community founders. Right, we we all get influenced. So a lot of Web two companies are exploring how to get into Web three. I think just this morning I had a call with a, a group um, who just got a big metaverse contract with a big fashion retailer, which I can't name. Okay. And they're opening offices in Hong Kong. They feel Hong Kong could bring in a lot of talent, ideas, development that could actually springboard into mainland China as well. So mm. I see Dubai as being a very big hub. But in East Asia, I would say Hong Kong will be the big Web3 hub as well. 
Okay. Um, That is going to be very interesting to see how that grows. Uh, I've been writing about it as well, Web3, a lot of talk about it. Um, But, you know, of course, a lot of people who are listening here want to learn about how they can, you know, move or take their businesses to the next level. And as you've said, there have been many outstanding startups coming from Hong Kong, and they've been able to scale to overseas markets. Uh, In addition to the startups that you've talked about earlier, um, what have been some of the the ones that you think are really good examples of of how they've been able to scale abroad? Um, Yeah, so... I, I have to go back to Lala Move a bit, mm-hmm. you know, only okay. because I think one thing that separated Lala Move was their ability to go into the U.S. market. So there's other markets that people normally could go to. Uh, logically, a lot of companies would look into Southeast Asia or, mm-hmm. or China um, or and then move into Europe. But moving into the U.S., I think that represents, uh, a, I guess, a good pathway, especially mm. if you can succeed and, and they've succeeded. So that that is not a fintech company uh, that went through. I think Kluke, um, which is a travel tech um, company, they had a few tough years, really tough years with COVID. But I see that market rebounding because there's going to be a travel vengeance, especially from people from Hong Kong. Um, they really love traveling. And I think Kluke will benefit from that, that, that bump up. And as regions open, um, that might be a good rebound play coming mm. up shortly. So what would you, from, from your perspective, what would you say from your observation, what would you say would be the key to the success in, in you know, scaling overseas? Or do you think that is kind of like particular to each and every country or every region? Um, well, I think one of the things that separate Hong Kong is that we're such a small city. We have 7.5 million people. So we knew from day one, you have to have an international game, right? People mm. in China or India, for example, I think from day one, they they focus on a domestic market. And that probably could even sustain them to unicorn status. Um, and they just go all the way up and they might not ever need to leave. But Hong Kong is so small. International game from day one. Southeast Asia is probably the number one area where Hong Kong startups would expand to first. I would mm-hmm. think... Years ago, it was China, but we all realized that the China game is so hard to crack. Going mm. into China, I would think um, it gets a little bit tougher, even for Hong Kong teams. So Southeast Asia, I think South Asia, moving into Europe, um, these are natural expansion points. So I think there's there's the mindset of the founders a bit different. I think that's a really good point. And and I, I don't take it lightly that you said that, you know, like even Hong Kongers are are hesitant in going to China. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a tough market and 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 I think everyone has realized that and 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 really I think it depends on understanding your brand and understanding your business and seeing where it could potentially uh, work out. But it's also interesting that you said that, you know, that Lala Move going to the U.S. is is a key of success. So would you say that, you know, that is kind of like the goal of... of, of... I, I don't think it's necessary to go for every startup, but for mm-hmm. a logistics startup, um, I, I'm, I'm originally from New York and I was always seeing a man with a van, right? Which is their business, right? They just connect you with uh, uh, vans uh, of uh, drivers. 
And I always thought that that was a saturated market, but evidently I'm wrong because they went into the U.S. and they were quite successful in their entry points. I guess no one has really consolidated this type of business and they had experiences in Asia um, and and scaling. So I, I'm really happy for them. And that's why I think they're one of the largest valued companies here in Hong Kong at $10 billion. Okay. And that's the largest. About- they're one of the largest. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about government support. Um, how has, as you mentioned, you know, government support being very supportive, uh, how have they supported the, the tech ecosystem there? So the tech ecosystem, I think there's a lot of opportunities for anyone, even even founders as young as 18 years old, to start thinking about starting a business. So with the Cyberport and the Hong Kong Science Park grants, you could get it once you turn 18. Um, there's a grant called the CCMF from Cyberport, for example. You get about thirteen thousand US dollars um, to to really give a punt to idea business. And as you mature, you get something called the the incubation program CIP. And with that, you have up to if I had to translate the the currency is about sixty five seventy thousand dollars worth mm. of grant money. But with that. People think it doesn't stop there. So the government also supports you. If you went to an accelerator, which is approved, like our accelerator, you get another, um, I'm just translating the currency, it's about $35,000 worth. If you mm-hmm. were to do overseas events, like at Texas, the government would support you with another $35,000 US dollars wow. um, for marketing. Um, and if you needed a higher R&D, this is the big one. You get about $200,000 US dollars worth wow. of support. Over two years. So they actually pay the salaries of these guys to work with you for R&D. So there's quite a bit of money. It equals about half a million U.S. dollars if you utilize their full support. Um, And this is equity free. Wow. So this is this has not changed since COVID-19. It has not changed. I think it's even going to get the pot is even going to get sweeter after COVID-19. I have a feeling that these amounts are going to increase. The type of supports that startups get from the government is going to increase. Um, yeah, so I think there's there's a lot of support, even a lot of support. But we talked in before about maybe a scaling internationally. We actually have something called the BUD, which actually gives you a few million Hong Kong dollars to go to China. And now there's a BUD for a few million Hong Kong dollars to go into Southeast Asia. And this wow. is all free. As long as you show that you're a business that could scale overseas. So you're rewarded with that now. We're jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so of course, you know, there's always the the good side and the bad side. Or or, or you could say, you know, the the challenges and the the things that, you know, you need to work on. Um, From your perspective, what are some of the strong and and weak points of the startup ecosystem in Hong Kong? I think uh, people in Hong Kong are naturally entrepreneurial. So I think they'll always have ideas to start businesses. I think it's it's been well documented. People in the south, southern part of China, including Hong Kong, they've always tried to be independent merchants or business people. Um, so I think that's good in their DNA. Um, I think money is still available for early stage. A lot of government support. So these are all the strong points that we discussed before. Um, if I had to say what's the weak point, now I have to say that Hong Kongers sometimes, um, in a general sense, have been also very successful in um, the normal world, meaning parents and grandparents have done well in the property market. Um, I think, as you know, Hong Kong probably has the 
most expensive property in the world, exceeding New York and Tokyo in London, let's say. Um, and that's because a lot of people purchased property in the 1960s. So mm. these average people, and these are just very average people, became millionaires. So we probably have more millionaires per capita than anywhere in the world through property. And because of that, the property game is always in the minds of people now. Mm. So when, when a startup founder wants to start a business, the parents are like, hey, why don't you just buy another apartment and sit on it and buy a few apartments and you could grow your wealth that way. Um, I think the weakness, and I'm getting to the point, the weakness is that Hong Kong youth these days have too many options. And, mm -hmm. and entering the startup world means dedication, long-term dedication. And that might not be the case. If you have two bad years or three bad years, such as what you had in COVID, a lot of people are like, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to go back to investment banking. Maybe I'm just going to go back and listen to my parents and 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 take that apartment and get some rental income. Um, mm. Not not for all, but I do see that there are a lot of options here um, in Hong Kong, and that kind of derails from having solid founders with dedication to the end. It's not do or die here in Hong Kong, and that that that's a weak point. You know, I can totally uh, picture that happening. <laughs> you know, it's a very Asian, Asian kind of situation <laughs> scenario that you would see you know, in is. Asia. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's no surprise, right? Uh, that, that you would have that uh, as a potential challenge for the growth of the ecosystem there. Um, but then in terms of those who are still at it, you know, those who are still, you know, very determined, very passionate about, you know, moving their startups forward, especially after COVID-19, um, what are the, the some of the challenges that you've seen them face nowadays? I think I think we kind of picture with the, the poor economy. And um, what are some of the opportunities that you are also seeing for Hong Kong startups right now after COVID? Um, like I mentioned, I think some of the, the the companies that didn't do well during COVID, such as the travel companies, are going to make a comeback. Uh, that's anything that's post COVID. Anything that was successful in 2019 will be successful again in 2023 and 24. So there's been bumps in the road. So and it worked both ways, right? We had startups that were very successful because of COVID, right? We have um, some some teams that focused on COVID solutions. We had Prenetics in Hong Kong. They 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 IPO'd on a Nasdaq, right? Because they did COVID testing, which was their 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 main revenue driver. We had another company called Arabi, uh, graduate of YC, and they did purifier air purifiers that focused on COVID solutions. But I think um, COVID is going to be behind us a bit more in twenty three, and because of that, uh, there's going to be a resurgence of people coming into the startup community, trying to build meaningful businesses again. And that's going to be more of uh, typical startups that were in 2018, 2019 will, will rise again. And, and uh, blockchain-enabled technology companies that, that focus on Web3 and Metaverse um, will become a focus here in Hong Kong. You, how, what is your advice for for startups who are struggling, perhaps in terms of you know what's been going on with the evaluations and and you know the the poor economic environment right now? They need to be flexible and nimble, right? They have to uh, go with the flow. And if investors globally, not just in Hong Kong, don't be stubborn. It's it things change, and if the environment changes in terms of your next fundraise, you got to move along with it. Uh, don't be offended when people come up and don't be thin-skinned. 
when people say, you know what, I honestly think your startup is worth X. I mean, we mm-hmm. had a startup that com- finished our accelerator, um, had a $10 million valuation at the end of the program, and recently accepted their last round at about $4 million. Ooh. So, so wow. it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, what's happening now with the winter funding, right? Mm. It's just things that either you accept it or you don't. And sometimes when you don't, does it mean that you have to give up your dream to do your startup? You know, I think you just have to be uh, reboot, be flexible. Yeah, definitely. Um, be like water. Do I sound corny? <laughs> that's, that's a Bruce Lee line, right? Yes, that's at Hong Kong, Thailand. But yeah, okay, let's let's take a look at 2023. When we talk about 2023, I think that a lot of people are excited. They kind of just want to get 2022 over with <laughs> and get towards the future uh, and, and see what will happen with the startup ecosystem. Um, towards the end of 2022 right now, um, what is your vision for for the future uh, for the startups here in the region, uh, especially in Hong Kong. Um, do you see things happening that are are, are taking us back to pre-COVID-19 or, or has our experience with COVID-19 really um, changed or transformed the ecosystem into something yeah, else? Yeah, so I think one thing I didn't mention before, so it kind of answers your question now, but one thing I, I didn't mention, and what, what do I see in 23 as well, and significant for Hong Kong, would be the rise of prop tech. And I believe prop tech is something that hasn't been around pre-COVID because people didn't believe in it and people didn't buy into it. But now when we see the transformation of these uh larger property conglomerates here in Hong Kong are shifting from the first generation owners to second generation owners where they have more youthful CEOs, uh, there's going to be a rise of prop tech in Hong Kong. And I believe that's going to be very interesting where these property traditional companies are going to start integrating technologies. Um, So I think that's going to be interesting for 23 to see what happens. Um, I think generally everybody will have a better 23 than a 22. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think going forward, I do wish startups great success in the region, especially here in Hong Kong. Um, I hope opportunities open up, which I I do. I'm very bullish on on the startup ecosystem developing fruitfully here in Hong Kong. Mm. And and, uh, lastly, um, how what would your advice be for those who are listening right now, whether they be, um, you know, corporates or, or uh, startups? Yeah. So corporates, my advice to you is don't be afraid of innovation, work with startups. I think giving out proof of concepts or commercial contracts, working with startups is going to be the future. Don't be shy and don't be so conservative. I think for startups, I think uh, after we saw how tough COVID was, give, give it your all push hard, be nimble and flexible, uh, work with the investors, but also when you uh, get commercial contracts, uh, don't be arrogant, you know, do what you have to do to succeed, do what you have to do for some startups to survive. Don't be so proud. You couldn't have said it better. I think, <laughs> and I think, and I think a lot of us have learned that during the past few years. Thank you so much, James, for being with us here today. We can't wait to see what's to come from Jumpstart and yourself as well. And uh, we're so excited uh, to see you possibly coming back to us as well here in Thailand. And uh, we'll be monitoring what has been going on or will be going on in Hong Kong in the future. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for having me. And again, Texas is my favorite event in Southeast Asia. <laughs> I'll always see you guys on a yearly basis. Fingers crossed there's no more COVID. Yes. Okay. And this has been yet another episode of Texas Global Podcast. We'll see you next time. As always, Sadika. Sauce, sparking innovative thoughts.